All right, Mickey here with an advert for BetterHelp Therapy Online. You all right? Such a small question and sometimes such a big question too, eh? Now, regular listeners will know I am no stranger to depression and while over time and with the help of some decent counselling and brilliant friends and family, I've established a toolkit to help when the constantly dripping tap of life gets a bit too much. That does not mean I am a stress-free human rainbow skipping through meadows. I mean, who is? We all carry around different stresses, big and small, and sometimes we can deal, and sometimes it's much harder to cope. Life, innit? Right now, I have a teenage puppy to deal with, and although I love her very, very much, she can be a lot. There, said it. And as quick a fix as it seems to say, I'm fine, I'm fine, and push it all down into the big inside box and put that lid on. For me, that hasn't been a great long-term solution in that if I don't get it off my chest, it will at some point come bubbling up and it's never been one to pick its moments in a good way. I find talking means I can avoid it exploding out of me like a messy emotional volcano all over my nana's carpet. Also, during my various times in talk therapy, I discovered that saying something out loud or writing it down can make it seem much more manageable than allowing it to swirl around and grow ever bigger in my head. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. I've found knowing how to reach out is sometimes the toughest bit, but BetterHelp is entirely online. Boom. Which means it couldn't be easier. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist, then work your sessions around your schedule. With more than a thousand therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Standard issue listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash standard. That's betterhelp.com slash standard. issue for all women oh hey there it's mickey i've taken over the sunday chops this week in the pod scene you will have heard me chatting to our glorious founder and all-round kick-ass broad sarah millican about her new book how to be champion which came out on thursday the 5th of october it's an absolutely smashing read and you need to get it in your eyes and also into the eyes of people that you like because it is definitely worth sharing anyway sarah and i had a big old chat about how to be champion about why she wrote the book and about what's in it. So, yeah, without further ado, here you are, the full interview. I hope you like it. Hello, I'm joined by Sarah Millican. Hello, and I'm joined by Mickey Noonan. Hello. And also, we are both joined by Commander Tuvok, who at any point might start licking his penis and provide a little bit of a backdrop. Is that because I'm here, or does he just do that in general? Do not flatter yourself. <laughs> it is there for me as well. Oh, that sounds wrong. You're his mum. This is weird. It's like he, Game of Thrones. He did it once in the middle of the road, just to say to Licky's Winky in the middle of the road, while there was a great big truck coming, and I had to scoop him up like some kind of fucking hero. I bet that there are more men that have attempted that than we realise. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're out there. I think he just likes to catch the drips. He's done loads of ways, and then he's just like, oh, don't, he doesn't want to go down his leg, Aww. down his furry trousers. Wasn't it Madonna used to wee on her feet in the shower? For, it's good for athlete's foot. 
yeah, it's good for if you've got athlete's foot, but I think if you haven't, it's called water sports. Even if you're not doing sex. <laughs> Just a dirty bastard. <laughs> Well, I suppose if you're in the shower, then you get clean quite quickly. But also, well. just because my dad does something doesn't mean we all have to do it. That is true. I'm, I'm not think... adopting anybody. <laughs> oh, come on. Please adopt no. me. Adopt me, Millican. I don't want to. Okay, fair enough. Well, this interview's going well. Um, <laughs> so, you've written a book. I bloody have. You bloody have, mate. Well done. How to be champion. Tell us about it. Um, in the past when people said to me that they were writing a book and they told me they always tell you how many words they've done and I was used to comically say oh, are they all different because <laughs> I thought it was hilarious because I didn't realise what it's like to write 80,000 words and it sort of makes you want to cry um, I did um, it's about so it's an autobiography so it's mm-hmm. about moi because everything I ever do is about moi um, but also it has self-help tips so instead of it being kind of linear so it's not like sort of uh, I suppose it's chronological but the subjects are categorised under topics so there's a topic about wearing glasses and a topic about divorce and a topic about body image but it's not uh, and then when I was four and then when I was five and then because I I don't like those old biographies I get a little bit bored and I just skip to when they started work and I don't <laughs> care what they were like as a kid you care what I was like as a kid though because I, I there's a, a chapter about things I was bullied for and I, I thought it would be like a relatively short punchy funny chapter nope it's quite long how many things oh I can't remember now I should know that let me get that information for you and we'll slot that back in I think it was 21 when you I think it was. Me. I think it was it was there was more when we could oh. so it's 21 and then I had to think of, of fun things that happened at school just to make myself feel better and also potentially the reader yeah. <laughs> I realised that I'm quite practical and quite proactive and quite uh, I like to help myself so if if I've got some good tips on if I've been divorced and I've got some tips on how you could get over a heartbreak then I'm going to put those in so that's kind of where we go most chapters have some sort of tips how to be champion tips at the end could you tell us what champion means champion so first of all when I suggested this as a title some people thought I was saying how to be a champion like, like somehow I thought I was and they, those people do not th- do not know what my self-esteem issues are at all <laughs> clearly they've never met me or indeed seen anything I do <laughs> I think they thought that maybe the cover would be me just kissing my guns with like some medals or something on um, and I had to explain oh no there's no ah it's just how to be champion and the ch- the, I wanted a word that people associated with me and champion does that uh, I asked my this is in the book in the forward but I asked my husband for a suggestion for different titles that could use the word champion and he suggested heavyweight champion and you're still it's a second divorce on the cards <laughs> yeah i mean we're separated but uh, <laughs> we're not but you know he knows um he's on his second strike right okay <laughs> that's what the first one was uh and uh, so i wanted it to be so champion to me is like if somebody said how are you i'd say i'm champion i'm doing canny everything's fine and it's, it sort of means I'm ticking along, I'm doing all right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I'm nailing everything. It doesn't mean everything's great. It doesn't mean all my plates are spinning. But it just means that I'm doing all right. I'm managing, I suppose, is what it means. And some people can use it as meaning kind of pretty good, but it could also mean I'm all right, like all right. Um, so that's kind of what I always aim to be is good enough, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> not necessarily nailing every aspect of my life, because who is, but also not criticising myself for it, I suppose. Did you enjoy the writing process? Yeah, I really did. At the beginning, I had about three weeks where I was like, I'm not sure I can do this. Gary, Gary. <laughs> so I'd read 
like word by word like I've written another four words Gary can I read them to you poor man he has the patience of a saint <laughs> so he's allowed to make the odd four power with titles uh, <laughs> yeah I didn't know if I had enough I didn't know if I had lived enough if I had enough stuff to say and but then after three weeks I sort of got over a bit of a hump and then realised it was I had enough and I because I mapped it all out and did it all I did it all really boringly sort of mathematically so I worked out how many words I needed uh, how much sort of a buffer there should be for should I feel sort of if I had a migraine day or if I was too tired one day or I aimed for 100,000 to try and get 80,000 and I did sort of I mapped out how many words I had to do a day uh, so I did it really boringly like that but I worked solidly on it and I think that's the difference because I was talking to Sarah Pascoe and she does write her books while she's doing other things so she might be touring or doing telly and stuff so it's very different if you I was able to sort of just block out some months and go I'm going to write it in that time I did do the old gig though because if I don't go on stage every now and again I go a bit mad yeah was the writing process in writing a book different to writing stand-up yes although more similar than I thought it would be I think partly because I read a lot of it out to Gary (laughs) because that's kind of he was my new material gig yeah Um, (laughs) but it was different in that I could get into more detail on things and not everything had to be I mean it's a funny book but not everything has to have a punchline not every sentence ends with a gag because you can get more in depth and I could get more passionate about subjects and I could I could give away stories that were really funny but also stories that were quite um, sweet or stories that were interesting so there wasn't as much pressure there was pressure on entertaining people clearly because I, I still want it to be a funny book and it yeah. is but it was often in stand-up if something isn't hilarious you just dump it where in this I could go ah but it's got meaning or it's got value in different respects so in some ways it was easier and in some ways harder because I'm not naturally prone to writing stuff that isn't really gag heavy and publishers are always very aware of this and say like don't feel like it has to be sort of you know like like listening to Tim Vine <laughs> it can be sort of you know have stories and stuff in it as well but I did I really enjoyed it but I, did, I was I'm not great at getting up so my body clock was all to pot because I had to get up early and then if I got up early there was about three hours when nobody was up in the house so even because if there's a person asleep there's an animal all the animals are still asleep because mm-hmm. they only get up when we all get up so occasionally I'd get like a cat would pad past me in my office but the dog would certainly never wake up until and Gary got up so it did mean that I would have three hours where there'd just be like birds in the garden that I could hear and it was lovely and I got loads done and I'm much more productive in the morning than I thought I used to be because when I used to write before when I used to write short plays and short films I used to do it through the night but that was because I had a job and it was the only time I could write and then I'd go into work all foggy because I hadn't because <laughs> I was writing a play uh, <laughs> so but this was like this was the job rather than it being an addition to the job so and I used to just get up and have a, a mug of sugary tea a can of coke and a stack of biscuits and that's how I got going of a morning that's how I started work massive sugar rush yeah sugar and caffeine I've, I, they're in the acknowledgement of the book sugar and caffeine because I thank them more than most I think pretty much everyone I know should have to do that because they certainly get me going as well yeah yeah and sugar I think and you know people I don't like the kind of new uh, trend where people who I know to be like big drinkers or like oh you can't have biscuits sugar's bad for you and you're like oh, fuck off and get back in the pub <laughs> uh, so I get a bit annoyed by that but yeah sugar and caffeine were my friends for sure did the writing process affect the other members of your household and if so how yeah I guess so but not massively 
I don't mm. I don't think I was more annoying or anything like that. I think I was the same amount of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still quite annoying, but you know, not really annoying. But I did this thing, so if Gary had a tour show and I was itching to do a gig, if I got the amount of words I had to get done, if I got them done by the time he left, I was allowed to come along and get in the car with the dog and then do like 10 minutes on stage. And then he'd pay me in like, uh, he paid me one night in beef goulash, which is not a euphemism. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to work out one, that, what that would be a euphemism for and two, how much goulash that would be. It would definitely be something anal. <laughs> My friend was like, oh, oh. <laughs> Have I just ruined goulash? Just ruined goulash forever. My friend once he paid for something. I said, oh, "I owe you some money," and he demanded that I pay him back in ham. That's brilliant. Yeah. I once bought Gary a bag of meat for Valentine's Day. <laughs> I didn't know what to get him, and I thought, "What is he like? Meat?" So I got a bag, and it had like sausages and chops and steaks, and yeah, loads of things. It was, and I don't think I've ever bettered that. I don't. I think that'll be one of those things. If we ever split up, where it would be in the divorce sort of paper, where it would say somewhere that she never really betted the bag of meat on year four. <laughs> <laughs> Same mate, Miller, ordered a box of meat and it was the actions I think of a mad king. <laughs> <laughs> a box of meat. <laughs> I've had a bucket of meat. I've never had a box of meat. A bucket of meat? Yes, KFC, love, calm down. Oh, right. <laughs> that is horrific. Not like, a, like an actual garden bucket. <laughs> meat buckets it just sounds rude doesn't it it does it sounds like something that somebody awful would describe a vagina as i'm sticking with cave of wonders cave of wonders <laughs> lady gash no lady gash <laughs> <laughs> is she in the, the smash it parade <laughs> she she's number one artist top of the hit parade why did you decide to write a book now it's a good question i've been asked for quite a long time you know, just by the one person. No, <laughs> just, I do wonder that when people go, "Why don't you come to Cork?" or something like that, and you, and then I think I've had loads of messages. Maybe we should put a Cork to it, and they think, "What? Well, I haven't remembered. What if that was just one person who was really, you know, sort of, yeah, having a go?" Anyway, we've got a date in Cork. Who knows if that one person will turn up or other people? I've been asked for quite a while to write a book, but it didn't really. It never really felt like the right time for another reason. So I didn't know if I had enough to say yet, and also. I didn't really have the time because I knew it was a big chunk of time and, and my diary's been mad. So because I have a decent gap between tours and because I partly write my tour on the previous tour, I thought there's going to be a bit of a gap. So then I went back to my agent who's been sort of replying politely to publishers for years going, she's not ready, she's not ready, she's not good time, she's not ready. And then she finally got to go, yes! Yeah, so it felt like I had time and that, and also I did like a little test chapter. So the, the chapter about wearing glasses, I wrote before we had any meetings or anything because I thought, I just need to see if it's any good, if I can write. And I wrote it and I found it uh, enjoyable because that's the thing, you've got to think, is it going to be fun as well? Is mm -hmm. You know, is it... Um, can I do it? Will it be fun? Um, and I thought, oh, maybe I can do it. And also, I really enjoyed writing it. And also, because I've written for years for like Standard Issue and for other things, just articles. And you think, I can write stuff that's not stand-up. So it was just a, a sort of a matter of believing, believing in myself, I suppose. So it felt like the right time because I've got a good following. I've got quite a lot of fans who ask, when are you going to write a book? And I thought, you know, there's a gap. I feel like I've had a good idea, which was to do an autobiography, but with some practical help in there as well and 
then we just started talking to publishers and they and then obviously if they go this is a terrible idea you should really be writing a children's book or, <laughs> or we thought you were going to do a pop-up book or something like that it would be the sweariest um, children's book <laughs> <laughs> well maybe that's in the future maybe yeah, that's absolutely. You know, They've got to it's more sometime. likely than an exercise dvd put it that way <laughs> uh, so so it, it just it was time and also i guess i felt like i had i had stuff to say yeah I have been lucky enough to have read How to Be Champion already. You were one of my excellent proofreaders. I was a proofreader. You yes. thanked in the acknowledgements as a proofreader. It's lovely and it's warm and it's funny and it's incredibly Sarah, which I think is exactly what people will want from it. But it goes to some pretty dark places. Was mm. that quite shield? Yes, I was sorry, you were asking a proper question. <laughs> <laughs> Was it hard? I to... mentioned Middlesbrough. No. <laughs> Shut up, Millican. Let me ask a question. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Was it hard to revisit those moments from your past? Yeah, but there's something about writing it down uh, as opposed to saying it out loud that's very different. So I could write stuff out knowing that I'll never have to read it aloud. And then I remembered there's an audiobook, and then Radio 4 asked for me to read excerpts for Book of the Week. And I was like, oh, I didn't think this through at all. So it was, some of it was really hard to write and is still hard to read. I even wrote in one of the chapters, this chapter was really hard to write, but I feel like it sort of needed to be said. And just because something is scary doesn't mean it's not worth doing. Usually mm-hmm. the scariest things are the most worthwhile not horror films but you know what I mean life-wise I wanted the book to be brutally honest because I think I know why I buy autobiographies is to get a little bit more than I already know yeah so if people want I give so much away on stage (laughs) that we have to go to other places because if I just took like my book of fannies that's they're like well that's the same as the last four dvds so I need I need I knew I wanted to be brutally honest and I knew I didn't want to mince my words I wanted to treat it as if I was writing to one person at a time like an which people don't read in groups generally so that's probably pretty true do people read in groups book clubs yeah but they don't like read bits out like in do they in school I where don't you've, know. you oh I used to hate that when they'd go around and say oh and you'd get we used to do that with Shakespeare and you'd get yeah. it and it'd just be one word and you'd have to try and go murder <laughs> <laughs> oh no we just have to read a whole chunk we'd have oh, to do I, like I don't a, mind the whole chunk it was oh, just no, the one I never one wanted word. to read aloud terrified to read aloud there were things I wanted to talk about that I'd not talked about on stage that I felt were worth sharing so yes it was hard but I think ultimately rewarding because I feel like I don't know how to say it. I, I sort of feel like they're the, they're potentially the bits that people will identify with. It's a sort of, it's the same as so if somebody comes and sees my tour show, hopefully they go away just haven't had an hour and a half of bloody good laughing, great. Mm-hmm. But there'll be certain people that'll go away haven't taken an extra thing. So for example, the last tour. Uh, outsider people uh, go I'll send mess- get messages from people saying oh I had a lovely time go I've not laughed like that in ages I always get a bit annoyed when people say that because I think well surely since the last two <laughs> <laughs> that's just my arrogance but then there'll be other people who go oh I was bullied at school because there's a big section on self image and bullying and people get an extra thing and I think that's what will be hopefully this is my plan with the book is that some people will read it and go well that was great I had you know a few nice train journeys and a lovely shit with that you know that sort of thing yeah. but then other people might take extra bits out and might there might be chapters that they can go back to and we weren't going to have a contents page and I said we have to have a contents page because I think 
this might be helpful to people that they could refer back to it and people might be like I don't need to read that chapter about divorce and then in a couple of years maybe you do (laughs) keep it handy on the bookshelf yeah yeah. maybe just fold that page over of things aren't going to great (laughs) and then just leave it lying around (laughs) but I think I would hope that people get more of an insight into me which is the plan when you were going through stuff that's happened to you to come up with what you're going to put in mm. how to be champion were there some revelations that surprised you was there stuff that you'd forgotten about that suddenly popped into <laughs> your head uh, yeah there was a thing that i didn't even know uh so i was talking to gary and i said you know chinese burns and he went yeah and i went you know how they get the pack of cards and they scrape it along your arm and he went that's not chinese burns and i was like oh hmm must be called something else so I googled Chinese burns and that's the twisty twisty which I have had as well I've not missed out on that thankfully and then the thing that happened to me was that they would make you cut the 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 bullies Mm. would make you cut a pack of cards and then they'd take one half of it and they'd scrape it on your arms until your arms were inflamed and really painful and you went home and told your mum and then she came back in uh, because she was school governor and she made you point out the girl and you pointed her out because I don't believe grass is a thing. I, I, I don't. When people say, oh, she's a grass, you think it's only ever bullies that call you a grass. Because a grass means sort of calling somebody out for terrible behaviour. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. So I never have a problem with shouting people out. And I had to point her out, and she got sort of bollocks or whatever the teacher. And I googled like scraping cards <laughs> down your arms, <laughs> expecting it to go. Well, that's it's not Chinese burns; it's Chinese turns. Oh, I got to mix it up. And it's not; it's not a thing; it's not a thing. So that thing that I they told me was a game, and I believed for I don't know thirty years to be a game, not a game. <laughs> so I learned no, that. Just <laughs> that horrific quite, bullying. That was quite alarming, though. But I'd really thought it was you know how this happens to you at school. No, doesn't no. happen to anybody. No, just that's school. You've yeah, not, you've not got scars. No, I haven't. No, I, my arms are good at healing apparently. But it was yeah, that was quite alarming. When you talk about the bullying in the book, it wasn't particularly physical a lot of the time. It was a lot more emotional and just yeah, giving yeah, you a hard sort of verbal, that way, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. a name calling and all that sort of stuff. Which I don't, I don't, I've not really been physically bullied apart from scrappy arms, mm. woman. That much I don't know which is worse. People always say psychological is worse, but I think I, you'd have to ask somebody who's had both <laughs> so they could compare and contrast. Yeah. <laughs> I got bullied horrifically at school, and the teachers did not help when they asked me to make a badge that said, Don't pick on me, it's too easy. <laughs> no way yeah right and that that made them stop immediately oh no no wait no it didn't make them stop immediately they just bullied me some more for my little badge that is what on earth were they thinking our french teacher i was skinny as a rake at school and our french teacher uh, helped the class learn adjectives by calling me fat <laughs> jesus <laughs> but you see i made it because the, the the thing about the bullying chapter is that a lot of the things I was bullied for are ridiculous. Yeah. So it's not saying I'm not it's not a poor me at all. It's saying like I got picked on because we had an early microwave. <laughs> That's and it actually is it's actually really funny because it's not sad because you're like wow kids are full of shit aren't they? Yeah, they <laughs> anything. Because I sometimes had microchips and and they, one of the girls came and stayed over and then reported back to the bitches. Uh, <laughs> I used to love a microchip. I, I still do. I don't have a microwave anymore. I know. I, I talk about people like you in my book. I know you don't like it, do you? <laughs> no, I don't it's trust weird. you. It's weird. I don't trust people who don't have a microwave. 
<laughs> oh, she's escorted me off the premises now, guys. <laughs> she's forgotten I didn't have it's a microwave. with your hand. <laughs> I sometimes struggle to remember what I did yesterday. Mm, I mean, me that might be the wine, uh, but particularly from last night. Did you have any sort of systems in place to, to go back and find out stuff that happened to you when you were younger? I have always told stories. So I've always been oh there was this time when and I was not not necessarily on stage stuff you know just stuff that you would mention or I was quite good at condensing things into a small punchy story when I was sort of a kid and grown mm -hmm. up so it was a matter of remembering those rather than remembering the actual thing and also because because I've been with Gary for a long time he would go oh you didn't do that thing about when you played netball and you go oh yeah because he's heard all of my stories I don't know it's awful how do you how do you have a 30 year marriage don't know. Do you know? <laughs> well, it's when senility kicks in, and then they've and forgotten, forgotten it all. is start again. Yeah. <gasps> I've got nothing new to tell him. No. He sometimes tells me facts, which feels like he's scrabbling. He's like, "Ah, oh, <laughs> did you read about this? Oh, here we go." But also, I emailed a bunch of sort of school friends and friends from different sections of my life. Okay. And the majority came back with next to nothing. But they came back and went, you were really lovely and quiet. And you're yeah. like, oh, this is going to be a shit book. <laughs> um, but luckily I remembered enough. And then also one, one girl came back with a good story and that went straight in as she'd written it. So that was good. Uh, a girl who was very good at sport. and But we were friends. It was like one of those odd couple kind of relationships. <laughs> we were good friends, even though she was popular and sporty. and all of the, And I was like kind of weird and quiet and kind of artsy uh so and it was yeah so she came up with a good story so that went straight in but it's quite alarming to email people and go what did you like when you think back to what i was like when we spent time a lot of time together what was that what oh. well, that's a terrifying thing yeah. to ask and luckily they were really nice yeah. and i mean the things i wouldn't have emailed i didn't have the email address of the bullies <laughs> weirdly have you not stayed in touch no, no weirdly and um, thank god email didn't exist then it was mostly kind of remembering stories that I've told to people about my childhood was slightly easier and then my parents were like oh if there's anything you want and they give me a couple little bits but mostly I want I wanted to sort of do it on my own really so I've got a weird memory for what seems at the time to be pointless stuff which is actually useful when you're writing a book so I wouldn't have been able to tell you a lot of stuff from school but the kind of daft things I mm -hmm. had already condensed into a form of story to tell people sort of in conversation and then just put those down and it sort of was able to kind of make them less condensed and make them sort of longer and more chunky and more information. So did you write it in chapters or did you think of a story, put that down and then work out where it would go? A little bit of that, but mostly in chapters. So I'd started with the glasses one. So instead of having like age of five, I did this and age of six, I did that. I just, everything I had ever thought funny about wearing glasses all went in that chapter. And then I did, um, so I've got various other I've got I had a lot of stuff about work so a lot of jobs because I've had quite a lot of jobs mm -hmm. so I listed all the daft and funny things that happened in different jobs and then so some of it my editor was very good in kind of putting it in some kind of order sometimes because I didn't I would just put it in chronological order which wasn't always the right thing yeah. um, so she was great at that and um, she made basically put my words into a book which is kind of it's her job but also that thank job. god she was there because <laughs> it's just been random words just a bucket of words a bucket of words sorry um, <laughs> to go with so, your bucket of meat <laughs> I had so many buckets uh, Milligan two buckets. That's what they call me. Oh, that's, oh, that's awful. <laughs> that's terrible. No, that's really bad. So, 
I kind of worked out what the chapters would be and then put stories. So I had a notebook that I wrote in every time I thought of, I'd just be out like with a friend or I'd be in the cinema or I'd just have a, like an idea at a gig or something of like, oh, and I haven't mentioned that story. And then I'd write it down and then I'd work out which chapter it would go in. But then we did do a little bit of moving around, but it was mostly quite ordered because when you do it on subject rather than time, it's easier, I think. Obviously with the tips aspect, that's quite practical. Mm. You're giving practical advice. Are you a practical person? I think I'm quite practical. I'm quite um, uh, quite proactive. And if I have a problem, I'll just fix it. So if I can. So for example, I was I've got a broken cupboard door in my kitchen. Could you fix oh, that? Oh, I've got one of those. I kind of like it though. Because mm -hmm. when I was looking for a house, there's a lot that had a really sleek kitchen where everything just went like into the drawer and I was thinking no I want like a drawer that doesn't like kind of jams and I just wanted a, like a homely house rather okay. than like something that looked like it was out of a catalogue I can't get to my baking stuff though bacon or baking baking oh no okay yeah. emergency yeah. <laughs> anyway. it's because your wife got a baking cupboard it should go in the fridge um, <laughs> it just smells of meat in my why, you can't get it to it at all no what do you do then I just I, I've not baked for ages okay I'll come round thanks we sorted it um, does it is it jammed shut yeah, I've managed to jam it shut. How have you done that? I just like wedged Desperate. it and then wrote Desperate myself a little note that says this door is broken. Oh, <laughs> Don't open for it. all of the other people in your house where you live alone. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and for the cats with no opposable thumbs. In case you're drunk. In case I'm drunk. <laughs> for <laughs> when you're drunk. For when I'm drunk. Yeah. <laughs> like fuck, it's um, not the wine cupboard. Well, that's true. Yeah. It's just on the bench. Never gets into the cupboard. <laughs> Mate, people are listening. People can hear you. So. Um, please, please I, send wine. I, mean, I, I will accept wine and bacon stuff. Um, I um, so I was in a hotel quite recently, and I really had a caffeine headache. And just because I hadn't, because I have a lot of caffeine, and then when I don't, obviously I get headache. So they had a, mid, a mini bar that had a little bottle of Coke, and I thought that'll do the job great. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those bottle opener tops, and there was no bottle opener. And I was, so I hunted around the whole room and there's no bottle opener. And I was thinking, oh, I can't want to ring downstairs and go, I need pop. Because <laughs> that looks really bad. So there was a fork. I don't okay. know why there was a fork there, but there was a fork. So I undid the top with the, just like went all the way around and undid all the little nipped in bits of the top and it popped off. So then the other day I was in a hotel room, again, similar situation. And I was working late at night and they had... Oh, they had what looked look, I love an apple juice and they had what looked like a really smashing apple juice and I thought I want that but again no bottle opener I think people must nick them from hotels yeah. and I think why don't they just have is it a Premier Inn one of the hotels is just one on the wall yeah, just have just one attached, of those yeah. Yeah. so what I did is I there was a cake fork of course there was it's no bottle opener but a bloody cake fork so again I did the same thing again and I feel like this is now a thing I can do but I thought let's fix the problem so I went straight online while I was away from home and I ordered a bottle opener keyring which arrived and now I feel like I fixed that problem yeah. so I don't ever have to worry about that again and that's kind of how I try to operate you have a problem once you have a problem twice you just sort it out don't fanny on just get it fucking fixed and that's not always the case if it's like I don't know depression or anxiety it's not yeah. that easy but I still go well there must be things I can do to put in place to make life a bit easier for myself so I think that's what the tips are for. So like when I got divorced, there were loads of things I did that really helped, that I didn't read about, didn't learn about from somebody else, just thought, well, how can I make myself feel better? I should not beat myself up over the fact that I cry a lot because that feels really good and I feel nice afterwards. 
So I've always had that kind of idea that crying is good, but the more people you talk to, the people just don't think that way about crying and they think it's a weakness and they think it's something that you shouldn't do or you should reprimand yourself if you have done it. And so that's the kind of thing that I'm trying to get across is to say like in a funny way, like, hey, these are some funny stories about my divorce because, you know, that's how I started my career. So it's definitely funny. Yeah. But also to go, here are some really helpful tips. So a helpful uh, breakup tip um, is I changed his name in my phone to the arse. So when it came up, the arse is ringing. Or did you get a text message from the arse? Or there's a voicemail from the arse. It always made me have a little chuckle. And then I dealt with whatever shit was being flung at me at the time. And that's and loads of people. I've told that to people. And they go, it's a great idea. I've done and it. you can Good. call them like, you know, I wish he was dead or what I a did, cunt or whatever. Do not like. resuscitate. <laughs> exactly. And it's really <laughs> healthy to have that kind of little moment where you have a little laugh yeah. before you have to deal and you still yeah. have to deal with it and you still do deal with it but you've had a little chuckle on the way and you feel a bit more like you're in control so it's things like that that I think well if that I'm not given any information out I'm not a counsellor but I'm not given any information out that I haven't used and hasn't helped me so even though it might not be suitable for everybody there might be it's the same with all advice you don't take it you pick and choose bits that you think might be good you try them if they don't work they don't work if you try them and they do work then great they're so lovely and thoughtful um the bits of advice that you have put in there the tips that you've put in there have you received such tips yourself what's the best bit of advice that you've ever been given the best advice i've ever been given is that there's no such thing as can't have i told you this before i think we've talked about it on stage yeah so there's no such thing as can't and this is my dad my dad said there's no such thing as can't there's only one thing you can't do and there's only one thing you can't do is to stick your bum out of your bedroom window and run downstairs into the garden and throw stones at it and that's the only thing you can't do and this is, this is proper advice that's like, like s- serious advice from my dad it sounds it might be a salvador dali painting well, it's it's it depends surreal. on how big my ass gets yeah. who knows um and, and and the idea that that was such a ridiculous thing but that's the only thing you can't do like everything else is achievable just it opens up the whole world and it's incredible because everything of these this you know positions of if you you know clearly if you're born into a certain area or a certain family or a certain situation maybe you don't have as many opportunities i understand the situation i understand that i do have um i have compared to a lot of people had an easy life depending on your situation so this is not a, a blanket statement at all but i do think that a lot of people can do a lot of things but that they don't know if they can and it's the working out where you are working out where you need to be working out the steps you need to take to get to where you need to be and just getting cracking i do think if you want something you just gotta you gotta give it a go even if you don't get there you might get close and that might be good enough yeah you're great at giving advice though like we've had matters because we're Mm. pals and you you give great advice but you also seem to really like trying to help and solving a puzzle i like helping and i think if somebody so one of my friends was going through a breakup and I just sent her the list of out of my book, <laughs> the list of um, breakup tips and she was like, oh this is helpful and it's great because even if one out of the whatever, I think it's 12 or 13 even if one helps you a little bit then that's great, so that's kind of it. if I can help people while also making them laugh and having a nice time while they read the book then that gives me a nice warm fuzzy feeling I think oh that's good I'm a bit of a softy it's the same reason I do join in it's the same reason at yeah. Christmas I can't bear the thought of anybody being feeling lonely so I spend five hours <laughs> alienating my entire family <laughs> and making them feel less lonely whoop whoop <laughs> but I just I don't know I just I like people and I I want people to be their best person does that sound wank? no not at all that sounds exactly like how to be champion which mm. is what you're telling people you are quite candid and particularly in the book that you suffer from stress and anxiety Mm -hmm. and you get sad 
and I wondered if there was anything in particular that you do to make yourself feel champion again. I dance in my nighty. Um, I and without a bra on, there's an awful lot of slapping going on. It's great. It's very noisy. <laughs> Your own rhythm section. Yeah, yeah. I brought my bongos. They're just tits. Uh, <laughs> especially the slap of my knees. It's like double. Uh, I loud, loud music. So uh, I had a tricky time recently, and I had a uh, playlist on my iPod that was called Good and Loud, and there were songs that really worked loud. And I would especially have it in the car, and I drive really, and it and it was a specific volume that drowned out all of the thoughts, and that's exactly what I needed at the time. Mm -hmm. And every time I got in the car, it was a totally safe space, and I would put music on really loud. You can choose what you like, but I start with Uptown Girl <laughs> because I like that she lives in a white bread world. Because I live in a white bread world, although that does mean with IBS, I get the shits. Uh, <laughs> they don't mention that in the Billy Joel song. I don't think he only had like three verses, and you know, yeah, you've got to pick. No, yeah. no time. And Christy Brinkley doesn't look like she shits ever, so fair enough. So I start with that, and it's really loud, and and it just drowns everything else out. So you get out the car, and it's all still the same, but you've had a little bit of respite. Yeah, a break, a break from. Brain yeah, just yeah, break from the noise. Weirdly, drowning out the noise with more noise. Um, <laughs> one of my friends described it when he gets it as having a head full of bees, which I really oh, like. That's nice, isn't it's it? Great, um, a head full of bees. And it's like you can quiet one bee, but the other bees are still going sometimes. And I think it's just drowning out the bees. I feel a bit like. Have you seen Cabin in the Woods? Is it a horror film? Yeah. Oh, it's Josh. Is it the guy who did Buffy? Okay, just sorry. reading yeah. I don't know um, it's the one where there's just loads of lifts full of monsters at the end okay yeah okay. I've read it's about like it the, I haven't yeah, seen okay. I don't watch them I, I feel like that's them. my brain sometimes and I'm in the middle and there's like you know a one-eyed monster and then some snakes and then some zombies and that's it feels a little bit like nah all the time yeah and that's why the loud music just a little bit of wake me up before you go go seems to kill all those fuckers dead <laughs> for a little while that's well I want to see that in a zombie movie <laughs> just oh, George Michael could be a zombie oh my god write oh, this down no Milliken. no Oh, you, now you've made me think that he's dead. He is dead. And nobody wasn't in my life, so I could sort of pretend he was still alive. Okay. I once said Nanai to him on Twitter. He didn't respond, but I still felt like like sort of eight-year-old me would have been thrilled at the fence. The fact that I could actually say, say Nanai to George Michael. <laughs> and he gone, I'm off to bed now or something. <laughs> I don't know. I think I was going to bed. I thought you should know. <laughs> I did used to have a George Michael nighty. It was just a long t-shirt, but I wore it for bed, so it was close to my heart. Oh. I didn't have any sweatbands because I wasn't really a sweatband kind of girl. I mean, I am now. I could do with sweatbands under my tits. <laughs> <laughs> they don't mean that. Backs of my knees. How would they stay on? Oh, I'd get them on. <laughs> oh, okay. I was doing a... You can't see it on a podcast, but I was doing a cupping motion and trying to work it out. Um, but I think Millican's <laughs> got plans. It's weird. Does getting on stage sort of calm the monsters as well? Yeah, because getting on stage is... Very fo you have to be very focused. It's a bit like you say when you go running. It's a bit that sort of I can't think about anything else but what I'm doing yeah. because you know it sort of all goes to pot <laughs> if you do that. And I just why I, don't, I would never wear like once on the TV series I wore shoes I couldn't really walk in and the whole time I was just thinking don't fall don't fall don't fall and you're like supposed to be interviewing people don't fall don't fall don't fall. <laughs> so that's why I don't wear shoes. I don't I don't I do wear shoes. I don't wear shoes. I can't walk in. That's why I never wear uncomfortable clothes that's why I never wear anything where I think I might burst out of it at any point you know like any kind of buttons up the front anything like that so 
I try. I'm just imagining you in a full Velcro outfit that you can just <laughs> explode out. That would be awesome. That would be that would be the finale. It would absolutely you'd have, you be couldn't, the finale. You'd never come back from that. You like that, a, like in the interval. Yeah, it's like having a stage invasion halfway through. You can't do that unless you're really. <laughs> but I also find I think on stage is where I'm at my most comfortable, which is quite an odd thing to say, isn't it? I feel so comfortable on stage. Like it's nerve wracking, of course it is. And in the beginning, at the beginning of a show, you always get like the first few minutes, and more sort of panicking and, until you get your first few laughs and do button and you settle. Mm-hmm. And, you, and then you, you kind of judge what kind of audience they're going to be. Oh, they're a bit quiet, or they're a bit rowdy, or they're a bit lively, or they're fun, or they, you know, they've got their arms crossed and they want a bit more work or a bit more dancing from the monkey. Uh, <laughs> I do have a monkey on stage. I don't. I wish I did. That would be great. Um, and <laughs> sorry, I just thought. <gasps> Next to it, no, they won't let me. Uh, a real monkey, <laughs> yeah, or like a puppet monkey, like cuddles. You know, it'd be great to have one, a real chimp, just on your hip, and just never refer to it. Just do the show as normal, and just don't refer to it. <laughs> and then you'd have to drop him down and hold his hand as you both walked out, and just never refer to it at all. And people be like going to each other. There is a monkey on the stage, isn't there? Because I've seen a monkey, but she's not mentioned where there's a monkey on the stage. Well, that'd be interesting. Maybe we'll try that out next time. Okay. They won't let me. Oh, no, because it would shit everywhere. And... Oh, I can't have both of you doing it. <laughs> Yeah, that's my job. <laughs> Shitting everywhere is my job. But I think because it, on stage I feel really comfortable, so I don't ever feel those sort of feelings on stage. Um, and also, like I said, because it's just such a thing to focus on, you know, that it's a bit like being engrossed in a good book or watching a film mm-hmm. or something it, performing is much the same as being in the audience and that you're fully focused on what's happening in the moment and you don't really think about anything else which is nice and you're going to be doing it quite a lot soon right i am i know I, i'm really looking forward to it um i've started sort of um because i'm quite boring and like all the logistics i love all the and then we'll stay there and then we'll oh, oh we're gonna stay at that hotel and and oh well, i know where there's a nice place to walk the dog near there and yeah that's if you um decide not to be a comic anymore then you could maybe run some sort of trucking business oh yeah i think i often think that's what i am as a long distance lorry driver but i just deliver jokes when i get there <laughs> and the show is called control enthusiast yes because control freak is just offensive so i call myself the control enthusiast which as my friend Haley pointed out actually just means you're controlling your insults which it does but you know i'm also big boned anyway. yeah uh, so, so yeah um it start in January and run to December, which feels mad. That like is on so the last awesome. tour, I told people that it started in October and ended in September, and they thought I just got it the mix, like mixed up, and they were like, "No, no, no," and I was like, "No, no, I am right." Um, so well, this one's slightly shorter time-wise, but you're doing more dates. Uh, it's right? no, because that was I think there was because oh, we've got two breaks and we had two. It's still because there's little breaks you have to put breaks in otherwise you go the doolally. Yeah. So it's it's I think currently. I can't remember how many dates it is currently, but they add more as they sell out and stuff. So, but I'm very lucky that there are that amount of people that choose me for a night out. It's incredible, really, and it's I find it slightly overwhelming. Some some nights I go out and see, like whatever, two thousand people who've gone. Tuesday, we're doing that, and usually, like sometimes a year in advance, as we found out the other day when somebody <laughs> somebody turned up, it was the first one of the year that somebody, and they were like, "I've got a ticket to see you in September," and I was like, "You know, that's not this September." No. Um, so that's why I had to sort of retweet that and go, "Hey guys, please remember that the whole tour is in 2018." It's good that way because it's not it doesn't overlap over two years, so I think that should be hopefully easier I don't know somebody told me once that they turned up at the venue a year early and just had to go and see Daniel O'Donnell instead which I think <laughs> we're almost interchangeable honestly um, 
that very similar. <laughs> he sold when I worked at the he's theater incredible. in Harrogate. He sold out really cool. People were queuing in the rain outside oh. and slept overnight yeah, to get tickets for him. Daniel O'Donnell. And it must have flayed their arthritis up. <laughs> Seriously, absolutely. And I don't think they're all. We took them out tea and biscuits. Dead. They, oh. I mean, there weren't any actual deaths. Hey, but have you ever slept out overnight for tickets for a thing? Uh, no. Neither have I. Do you think it's because we're of the internet generation? So you just get up and you know go online rather than queuing for tickets. Maybe I've just not been asked about anyone enough. <laughs> oh well, this is a sad thing. No. I've never done that. I've never queued outside somewhere for like a cheap sofa or for the a new iPhone. I've never done no. that. Just don't like queuing. I wonder if those people, their biggest, the big thing that they like is the queuing. Yeah, and they then they get to the show the and they're like, "It's all right," but I mean, wow! Remember back in August, it was amazing. <laughs> they get to the show and they wait for the busiest time at the bar and just join the queue. Have a, <laughs> and have they a get lovely to the front, time. Like, I don't want anything. Yeah. I've got water in my bag. <laughs> um, so I'm really looking forward to it because it's always. Um, I'm really proud of my show. It's my show's nearly done. Uh, and I think it's going to be really fun and the audiences are great and they're just so it's just a, it's like a bunch of smashes like my job is to look out onto a bunch of people laughing and smiling it's so incredible to you know I mean I used to just you know be the annoying funny one in the office <laughs> who wasn't getting enough work done uh, <laughs> but they, she was entertaining so they let her they let her alone um, you talked about yourself in third person I know I don't know why I quite like it though <laughs> sorry Sarah Milliken likes this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Sarah Milliken. Oh, that was really fun. That was fun. Good luck with the book and the tour. Oh, God. I'm saying this for the <laughs> so podcast nervous. listeners because, I mean, I'll see you. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah. Um, good luck. Thank you very much for coming to your house and doing this interview. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sorry about the um, cat crunching, the wood pigeon cooing, and the dog occasionally licking his winky. I don't think he did. Oh, did he? Not? I've kept uh, an eye on him. Oh, oh, why were you watching my dog's winky? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I sent you that picture, so you just did. That. <laughs> did but my phone's recording, so oh, I can't have that. Look in at front your of me, in my eyes. In my eyes. <laughs> Thanks, love. Thanks, love. that's it thanks loads for listening please remember to check out our other sunday chops jen's done loads of them she's chatted to judy murray to claire balding and to paula mcguire about various things that they're up to that are incredibly impressive and our hannah had a chat with Catelyn brodnick about her decision to have a preventative double mastectomy which is really interesting also don't forget to check out our pod scene which is out every wednesday hopefully you're already doing that and if you are and you're liking it please tell a friend tell a colleague stop someone in the street maybe just go into a cafe don't buy a coffee but let them know about a standard issue we need to get the word out there and we need you to help us do that please and thank you there are loads of gigs coming up if you want to come and see us live moving our mouths in front of your very faces have a look at sarah's website for that www.sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue okay that's enough from me I'll leave you be to get on with the rest of whatever you're doing. And until the next time, stay frosty. Standard Issue for all women.